0: This is... Inside. Looks like you guys did pretty well. 65. We only lost two. That's fantastic. All right. Got my coffee. Now, what next? We're going to do some questions, and then I'm going to dig into the comments. But there was enough questions here that are totally worth looking at. I just pulled the wrong thing over. Oh, for Pete's sake. Come on. You go over there. Get out of my way. Uh, yeah, it's this guy here. All right. Boom, boom, boom. I thought the questions you guys asked this week were important and they go in a number of directions. So so this thing here um a general question on deciphering theology behind the news and daily observations. The news, Christianity is growing fastest in Iran. Oh, psh, come on. I I did all this work and then I didn't click. No. Yeah, there it is. It's there. Okay. Christianity is growing fastest in Iran. See, who who says this? Who says this? I hear that Christianity is growing fastest in Africa. I hear that Christianity is growing fastest in China. Certainly, Christianity is having an impact in these countries. Somehow, some way. But that's kind of the issue a little bit here. Now, in this news, you're saying Christianity is growing fastest in Iran, led by women, sparked by dreams and direct revelations in which Jesus tells them to convert Specific spiritual revelations on where to go, who to meet, how to grow the church. Question, theology, right? Does this use of women leaders mean God no longer prohibits female pastors? That's the first comment he saw in the articles. Uh, So should we then expect God to speak to us in our dreams? Again, uh, the article. Uh, So should we expect our own direct revelations in the still small voice for daily guidance and cessationism? must be wrong the trifecta of bad conclusions i don't agree with these conclusions they don't but they seem to jive with the charismatic church how does one argue theology from the scripture in light of daily observations yeah right exactly well initially how do you argue it by saying oh you just gave me three things that aren't the bible to tell me i shouldn't trust the bible so how about you show me in the bible these things I am so tired of this going back to to auto. I just, Oh my goodness. Why on earth? Eyeglasses. This is what you do. You're on manual. Stop it. Um, if it's not in the Bible, then it's the devil. Or at least the devil's there. How are you going to tell the difference? I contend if the Bible doesn't say it, and you're saying it's the opposite of the Bible, then you're wrong, and it's the devil. Okay, so then what do we do with these things, right? And so here's here's the pieces where you really want to be skeptical of this. And we're going to go with them one at a time. I'm looking at them again rather than putting them back on screen. I guess I can put them back on screen again. So let's go with the first one. Does the use of women leaders – no, I'm sorry. We're going to start here. It is claimed Christianity is growing in Iran, led by women, sparked by dreams, telling them to go – talk to the people about Jesus. Now, here's my first thing. Here's my absolute first thing. When you hear this story, who's reporting on it? How are they getting this information? Where are these women being told to go and talk to? Who are they talking to? And when it all is said and done, when they've got their little house church going, and they're talking to the Spirit about all this stuff, does baptism regenerate? And is the bread and wine, bread and wine, and Jesus, or not? Because if it never gets there, then what's going on? You follow me? Like like the moment someone's a sacramentarian and saying, I converted by a vision from God, I go, I am just going to question everything you're saying at this point. And if the next answer and where you go with this next is that God is going to show by this action, he's giving these visions to these women who are sacramentarians in, in Iran, that therefore we should have female pastors in the present day. It's like, whoa, that's a fast move away from thus saith the Lord, all based upon your claims about experience by people who we cannot talk to or interview. Or we're just supposed to believe are over there. Yeah. And then, I think I figured out why it's making the, the auto go away. It happens when I change directions. Let's see if it happens again here. So we're going to go here. And um, So should I expect God to speak to me in my dreams is the next question. And the answer would be, well, is this God telling you via scripture that, that he's going to speak to you in your dreams? Or is this people having dreams? And if they're having dreams, what are these dreams saying? Go and talk to the Baptists? And be taught about sacramentarian baptism and giving your life to Jesus and knowing God in the still small voice, so you can fight back against the oppression that you're in right now. You see what I'm seeing what I'm doing here? I do not for a moment think these women, if and as this happens, and I, I do question fake news, but I do not for a moment think that these women, if and as this is happening, do not believe they are having visions of Jesus. And I do not think for a moment that there is no possibility That through that, they are being brought into contact with real Christians who are giving them the scriptures. But I do think from the very bottom of my heart that these are not actual revelations from Jesus in heaven. Because he's never said he'll do that. He's never said he'll do that. He says the very opposite. He says, you go to them. I'm talking about going again. You go to them. Now, here's what I think is happening, honestly. I think that the heresy of Islam, the false teaching of Islam, which borrowed heavily from Christian and Jew- Jewish scriptures, and contains a very bare and erroneous knowledge of Jesus as a prophet, I think that combined with what? I don't know if I say the internet, hearsay. The idea that there's this thing called Christianity out there that's forbidden, but we know enough about it to forbid it. And so we've got to say what it is so we can say you can't believe it. I think somehow in all of that, the actual word of God is and has at times been present enough that the name of Jesus might be spoken in these women's hearing. And in these women's hearing, as they are also confronted with their own sin by the law, crushing them in their own religion, they're hungering for some, some, some hope. And they're hoping that this Christian thing they've heard about is different. And their psychology begins to act on them and they go to look for it. I'm not going to call that a vision. I'm not going to call that prophecy. No. But but I will call it the Word of God active in the world. And I'm perfectly willing to admit that it's possible. But it hardly makes an argument for female pastors. So if you have this moment where you're like, I think I want to know about this Christianity thing. It would seem to me that my religion is destroying me, but I've heard of this Jesus guy. I know of this Jesus guy. Now I'm having dreams about this Jesus guy. I'm going to go find a Christian to talk to. Well, the thing is, are you being brought to the scriptures or not? Do you find Herod or Jesus? When you find Herod, do his do his philosophers and scholars give you the, the Old Testament prophets? Or do they give you a command to go and tell me that the king was there so I can go kill him? Do they bring you to the Scriptures? And that's what, I mean, does does it say that? No, I mean, if they're saying then we should look for dreams, well, see, it's not bringing you to the Scriptures. It's bringing you away from the Scriptures. Those women should be brought to the Scriptures. Their children, their husbands should be brought to the Scriptures. If they're going to come to Christianity and they find a Christian somewhere over there and they're not bringing them to the Scriptures, then it's not Christianity. And should we, I won't go back to the image, but should we expect our own Direct revelation, still small voice, daily guidance, and therefore cessationism is wrong. Well, if you're going to argue cessationism is wrong, you can't do it from experience. Just you bring me straight up. The whole argument of cessationism is that I'm basing cessationism on what Scripture says. You want to convince me it's wrong? You can't say, but look over here, not at Scripture. <laughs> like, like that's what cessationism is saying is the devil, and. We don't want to have that. Like cessationism says, the scriptures protect us from the devil doing that. So if that's your only argument, sorry, you can show me Jesus himself, long hair, flowing, white horse, everything. If he says something, and if he says, says, um, you know, well... I don't speak in the scriptures only anymore. Now I have new rela- revelation for you. I'm gonna say maybe you're the rider on the white horse at the start of revelation and wants to kill everybody. Maybe you're not the other rider. Yeah, may- maybe maybe you're a false Jesus, angel of light masquerading as God. You think? So if you're gonna convince me that cessationism, is, we need a better word. If you're gonna convince me that cessationism is wrong, then you have to do it from the Bible, because that's the point of. The cessationist assertion. Circumstances, experiences come and go, and they can be crazy things out there. And don't pretend for a moment the demons don't have supernatural power. I'm I'm more and more convicted about this. We just don't believe it. The demons will give you visions. Demons will give you miraculous powers. You can break chains with your bare hands. You can tell the future. Where's that right now? I don't know. I don't want to know. I want to know it's wrong. Impossible. I want to fear it, but not fear it nearly as much as I fear God who will destroy. It. So what do I think of this? <clears throat> My prayer is for people who are being brought to faith in foreign lands. My prayer is for those who have a dream about Jesus because they've heard his name before and they know in their psychology they need something more. And Maybe even what they've heard about how the Christians say he's the son of God, but that's wrong. They're like, but wait a minute. Because the word of God is being confessed by an unbeliever to them and it's awakening them to faith. And they're like, I want to know more. And so in their world where they do believe in visions, that's how they see it. And with the wise men, when the wise men follow the stars, it's not God saying, well, we should just follow the stars from now on. It's all about astrology, right? No, they were wrong. But in his mercy, he directed them to what is right. And so my concern is for these who in their wrongness are out there hungering, groping, searching, that they would be directed to what is right. And then that's the question. When they come to Christians, what are they given? Are they given baptism? Are they given the supper? Are they given the creeds? Or are they given some other thing? And at that point, how is it, how is it anything? Yeah. Is there, if, that, if all you can take from this is therefore women's ordination, it's like, really? Really? Dear heavens. As if that has not always been the destruction of the faith. Every time. Speaking of which, in a very unique way, one of you writes, I'm a double major in business administration and psychology at Liberty University Online. I have a three-point GPA. My question is this. If I complete my bachelor's and then master's in clinical mental health counseling, how do I remain faithful as a Lutheran when providing therapy? In particular, I know, although not all therapists promote the LGBTQ alphabet soup, a lot more are being pressured to do so by either their employer or by state ethics boards right so the question really is if I'm gonna go practice clinical psychology in the American world how do I do it and not be completely beaten to death by the LGBTq etc agenda you lose my job and all that kind of stuff and the answer is well you don't you don't know you don't know you want you want no risk there is no risk there is no, no risk. There is always risk. And the safer you get to try to not have risk, the more at risk you really are. It's a fragile safety that you've built up. So to some extent, just own it for a moment, right? I mean, I'm not saying don't don't try to be smart, but just be like, all right, so there's a good chance that I do all this work for 30 years and then it's just ripped away from me by the world because the world's evil and hates Jesus, And I might have to walk that path someday. And I know that's tough to reckon with because I'm right there with you. Like we didn't grow up in this. We grew up in this kind of like prosperity gospel version of the status quo institutional church just always being there, right? Uh, Status quo deistic America just always being what it is. And and that seems to have been lost. It was probably in the losing the whole way. But this is a very different thing than what we're we're used to growing up, right? We're we're just not – not ready for it, but that's why now it's like, well, first things first, man. Pull on, pull on your pants, right? Pull them up, put the belt on, get your shirt on, get your sword at your side. It's time to live, which means it might be time to die. Start there, Huh? and then be wise. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a master in the uh, Christian counseling world. I, I don't normally run on those circles much, but I imagine that there are organizations that are there to help Christians hold a Christian worldview while also practicing the care of souls, in a sense, right? The care of consciences, the care of uh, of, of the psyche, of the internal mind of the human. So I would look at those things for protection. I would also... I think work very hard to I don't want to say to avoid the question but so if I'm a counselor and someone's coming in like one of the first things I'm going to do is say so what are we doing <laughs> you know why are you here uh what is what do you need and let's say I can tell right by looking at this person they're clearly a transgender individual right it's like okay cool like you're doing that, and it's not really attractive to me. But all right, you know, I'll I'll try to be open-minded in this. I, you know, I'm I'm doing that in my head to show you what my head would be doing. The reality is, i would be making every effort to care for that person with all that I am. And if you're watching this and you're offended that I have internal thoughts that I fight against and external actions I believe are right, I think um, you might just be a bit more arrogant and unaware of what a jerk you are than you realize, because. You should be able to acknowledge your wrong internal thoughts and repent of them. So in any case, I would struggle, and then I would try to love. And in love, I'd say, what are you here for? What do you need? What's the psychology about? What are we working on? And if the issue of his sexuality never came up, I probably wouldn't go straight at it right away. If he, I mean, it might eventually, right? But the last thing I would do is say, well, my job is to stop you from being that. No, my job as a counselor is to find out where's your pain, man? Where's your pain? And how do I give you what I would call habits for changing the pain? Accepting it, whatever. Living with it. And in that then, if it came to the moment where I believe firmly, okay, that the only way to help you right now is to, f- is to bring you face-to-face with lifestyle decisions and behavior that are having results that you don't like, Well, then I would probably do it unless that person was really adamant, like, I don't want to deal with this. And it's like, okay, I'm going to refer you to somebody who will like gladly not deal with it with you. So, but I guess what I'm saying, my answer ultimately is, is I wouldn't bring it up and I wouldn't consider it something I needed to bring up unless it needed to come up. And that that would come up when they decided they wanted to deal with it. And then I would ask, okay, how do you want to deal with this? How do you want to deal with this? Do you want to deal with it? like according to cognitive behavioral therapy and the identification of you with your body according to the physical reality that's before you, right? I mean, I do the same thing with someone who had to lose weight. It's like, look, do you you want to deal with this? Do you want to deal with the fact that your body is that way? Because the only way to do that is to acknowledge the body being a real part of who you are and not some made-up thing you just make up and then acting like it lives in the real world. And if you don't want to do that, with regard to this issue, and I'm your counselor, and I really like you, we're friends and all, but you pay me, and yada, yada. I'm just, I, I'm not sure I can help you now, but I can try to help you find someone who can. So, and because, um, because I'd be navigating that that interpersonal world, the professional world, I, I would not worry too much about trying to stop their pagan behavior. I, just as much as like, so if someone comes in to me as I'm a counselor, I'm really not going to be like, so how do you worship? I mean, do you, do you sacrifice chickens? Uh, do you sacrifice praise? right What do you sacrifice? and uh, how do I get you to do the right thing right? I mean that's not what you're there for. That's not the job. And so you do the job and And where we've gotten this idea in our heads that somehow Christians need to like change the view of the world on marriage in all these other vocations that don't have to do with marriage, I just think it's a little misguided. I certainly want to change the view of the world on marriage, but I just don't think it's like what the baker has to do as a baker, right? Um, now, get it. Don't, don't, don't let your convictions be overrun. That's fair. But then be ready for the consequences. But I would say, you know, if I'm going to help this person, then they have to want to be helped. And that means they're coming to me now and they want to be helped. I ask them, how do you want to be helped? And I help them. And if I can show them then that I can help them where they want to be helped, then maybe they'll trust me when I tell them they got another issue to deal with too. And all along, you run the risk of, at some point you bring it up and they rage snowflake on you. You lose your license somehow in a weird, wacko, you know, government-controlled world. And down, down you go to work at Walmart or check out the newsletter this week, Taco Bell. You know, you can make over hundred grand a year at Taco Bell. Dang. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a real thing. Mad Monday, sign up for it. Okay, one more question, and we'll get to your side. Comments. What we're up against. This is that's my my title here. But you know, the insularity conversation, it's 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 waned. It's waned. I've I've backed off a little bit. I find it um intriguing how certain areas of, of the world have been a little quieter to Toward me since I started talking this way, I feel like I feel like I burned a bridge or two without meaning to. But as much as that's happening, there's bridges being built, and this email just says it all. Everything I'm talking about. So here's somebody who, because of the, this show and a few other things, perhaps visited an LCMs church for the first time. Just, just, fought. this is crazy to me. I attended a Nelson church about 30 minutes from me. The folks were nice, but I perceive that this church is dying. They are a small congregation that cannot afford a full time pastor and are relying upon a retired pastor in rotation each Sunday. And he spelled it pastors, it's a typo. So, relying upon a rotation of retired pastors. So, they don't have one pastor, they have many, they're all retired. These guys are elderly. They're not going to be able to continue this way for very long. So yeah, they're 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 not really going to long term be a solution for the congregation. These guys were probably good pastors and preachers before, but now they just are not. Now okay, before you get offended, just let's hear this guy out and recognize that anybody who ages is going to slow down in all likelihood. And um, let's also recognize that we have trained ourselves to read thesis statements as sermons, and that those definitely get more boring the more mumbly and quiet spoken you get and the slower you go. So if you're fast reading your sermon now, that's better than if you're going to be slow, but it might be slower here and it's really going to show you're just reading it off the paper. Anyhow, I know that seems rough. He says, "Ah, it is rough, but it's also fairly true. I know that seems rough, but I don't mean it in a mean spirited way for all the things that there is to learn about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, which was our subject for the past Sunday. This guy got none of it. The takeaway this Sunday was all four Gospels speak of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. But it did not talk about the significance of Jesus saying to John to fulfill all righteousness, nor the significance of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, nor the nuanced two differences between the accounts. Not what it means to us. Not even what an awesome side it must Awesome sight, probably. It must have been for the crowd standing there to see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, which I would contest that they didn't see it. Different topic. And to hear the voice of God from heaven, this is my son with whom I, I am well pleased. Like, so none of that was talked about in the sermon. And that's your frustration, right? And understandable. I just don't think the man's mind was capable of the task. Maybe. He doesn't know the, he, he, he doesn't know what we're doing. He doesn't know about the fight. He doesn't know where we are anymore. I mean, it's so different from the 70s. <laughs> it's so different. And this it wasn't that this was good in the 70s either, but the threat just wasn't there. And you didn't realize that it's a problem. And so we just kind of keep just keep rolling that thing. Well, it was working in the 70s. Right? It worked in the 20s. Well, actually, it probably would have been different in the 20s. Anyhow, I don't know if it's just that the man's mind wasn't capable, but he certainly was lacking in the teaching he needed to bring to you. Yet yeah, no one in the congregation is qualified to be an apprentice, be built up, trained to be a pastor, and take over this task? Question mark. Well, yeah, that's it, right? And we have a system that's supposed to do that, although that system's a little bit, you know, the, uh, the one ring of Sauron, a little bit. Um, I came to exploring the LCMS church by listening to your teaching on YouTube, which is cool. And exploring is exactly what you got to do. Uh, I was expecting law and gospel and word and sacrament delivered with authority. That's not what happened. Isn't that sad? What I found is a dying church that still has potential to have life in it. I think that the only thing that will help these small churches that cannot afford a full-time pastor is to apprentice, if you will, younger men who can possibly go to seminary, can't possibly go to seminary, but are full of zeal. Maybe middle-aged converts that are stable. Pick someone, call them to the ministry, disciple them, put them to work. Well, I'm not in full disagreement with you, but there's another answer too, which we're not going to do, but we need to do it. We should do it. And that's Consolidation. And you know, we need to consolidate the smaller churches, but that means in our system that those smaller churches would have to choose by vote to consolidate, and they won't because they prefer their building to the faith, and so they will continue to shrink and and, and die as as you observe. Be happy just to be chaplained into the grave by um, some some gentlemen who are doing their job. And it's not as though Christianity is not here, but it's, it it will be the end of the churches in in the way that we see them now, and we're not that far away. Ten years, maybe I think at this point for these these kinds of places and uh and, and it's happening already. Uh, they're closing already all around us. But this this bit I was expecting long gospel word and sacrament delivered with authority that's not what happened. I mean that is just that's just all of it man. That summarizes what we're up against. And if you don't like me talking about insularity and saying that that we are closed as a culture Then why are we defending that? Why 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 aren't we calling it out from the highest top? That we just can't keep doing that. And my friend, if you're watching and you went and you visited, I want you to know that Jonathan Fisk is not the only person who does law and gospel, word and sacrament with authority. I am not. There are many. We are we are not many in the evangelical sense, nor in the worldwide sense, but there are many. You can find them. You have to explore. You have to look. Um, I don't know how to tell you more than that. I don't know where you are. Some places are worse than others. And hey, by the way, I've said this before, and I don't think it's... um. I don't know, maybe I haven't been clear enough about it, but I don't think this is changing. I think this is going to get worse. Look, you can't just live wherever you want. You can't, you can't just live wherever you want. It's not going to work that way. Next 50 years, that's not the way it's going to work. So, so get ready for it. You want church. You have to live where there is one. Straight up. And that might mean, indeed, going back to that previous question, you're not doing what you want to do. He who loses his life will save it, right? Not not having exactly the dream career you want to have. That's it. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want the dream career? Or do you want faithful law and gospel declared with authority for your faith and for the faith of your children? Which one do you want? And then just realize you, you, you're you going to have to travel for that, man. There's a good, good number you're going to have to travel. You might have to drive half an hour on a Sunday. Maybe you have to drive an hour and a half on a Sunday. You might need to move. You might need to move. And in that then, we as congregations should be preparing for this. We as pastors should be saying this. If you're going to move somewhere, don't move till you know where you're going to go to church. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to find. No. If you're near a city, there's a good chance there's a church, but that's not true either. That's really not true either. depends on which city. It makes me think of we built the city on rock and roll, which has nothing to do with this. I'm drinking coffee now. What are we up against? We're up against so much. All right. So let's see what you're doing in the sidebar here. What time we got, by the way, eight 30, eight 30. Um, Brian Yamabe is doing some math. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Anderberg He says, uh, I'm in Seattle. When I've seen churches consolidate, the result is that one remaining congregation is smaller Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, because everyone leaves because all they wanted was the buildings. It's really sad. It's really, really sad. We are idolaters. And uh, Darth Maik says, the joke is, the American pastor tells God about retirement. After we have spent a lifetime of work, we retire and then spend the rest of our lives resting. uh, Don't follow you. But retirement is a lie, by the way. The the day you actually retire, like you stop doing stuff, you're going to die. <laughs> like that's like saying I'm ready to die now. Like, don't retire. If you want to take if you want to take like a, a pension, nah, you're not gonna retire. Keep doing something. Nah. The bridge is being burned down, might actually be lit by you. Yeah, yeah, no, no, fair enough. I don't know. It's just interesting. Um uh, Ardeth says thank you. Thank you, Ardeth for saying thank you. Ryan says, I was just thinking of Ephesians 6 where the armor of God is there, especially the part where you take up your sword and sort of the spirit is the word of God. Amen. To this Amen, do this. Um, That's such a great text. I've always kind of wanted to write a book on that. Um, Too many of those though. Prepare your children for this. (laughs) That's a meme right there. Prepare. (laughs) Uh, If you caught it, you can do it. All right, let's see here. Uh, The dislikes are people wanting worship experience. Maybe, I doubt it. In the past, it's been people who accidentally hit it because they just didn't know how to hit the like button. I don't think I'm big enough to have people who don't like me watching this. Hey, guys. Great show. Got to run. Thanks for this. God bless. All right. Cool. 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 Uh, let's see. Um, you know, I, mean, I don't want to intrude. I'm really being consistent in my watching, but if you want to look me up on Facebook. Okay. Cool. I uh, uh What are we doing? What are we talking about? Pastor Fisk, why are our brethren so reluctant to consider each other family? Was that on purpose, D? Or is that just like, oops, my cat walked on the keyboard? Um uh why do we separate into and then you put a slash. It seems to me your keyboard is giving you challenges today, D. Jellyfish. Um, why are our brethren so reluctant to consider each other family? Are you talking about like uh why is it that in the average Lutheran congregation there is um I don't know, like a distance between people. Uh, I don't know that it's because we don't want to consider each other family. I think it has to do with how many different things the current culture has available for us as people. And we're just being pulled in so many directions and our time is so limited. And I don't think this is like a, we shouldn't take this as a pure condemnation of us as as we just don't have faith, right? We just don't love each other. I think think that's rather extreme and, and maybe even a bit pharisaical. It's that we're we're being yanked on in so many different directions it becomes difficult to slow down enough to have a relationship with someone you don't know, and why would you you already have so many right so I think the the question is is more what is going on as congregation that would give us opportunity to love each other and that's not going to be the divine service. I mean, it is, but it's more than that too. It's going to be what happens after the divine service and before the divine service. It's going to be what happens during the week. Is there a community there or not? And I don't think that we should build that community on something other than word and sacrament and prayer, but coming out from word and sacrament and prayer, do we know each other or not? Are we one body or not? are we standing together against this society or not and we're just not used to that kind of mentality at all and in some ways until we until we remember our need as a body we're not going to remember why we're there as a body and so you know the the apostasizing of the american churches that we're seeing happen just so viciously is calling to mind our need. In order that we might be called back to the answer to our need. We got comfortable. We got comfortable. That's why. And we're comfortable with our lives. We don't need each other. So, until we do. And that's where good preaching, I think, eventually creates that. But then it also says, hey, look. Like, there's a, there's a reason to keep talking after church. And it's not the game that's on. Although I like the game, there's a reason to watch the game together. <laughs> yeah, but we're just not set up to think that way. We're used to being safe, and that that's part of the issue. Um, you talking about when the show starts. Yeah, I don't know. Whenever I get here, <laughs> uh, one half ago goes. Yeah, um, I started early this morning because I wanted to get that podcast recorded and still have time to chat with you guys. So our congregation, Stacy says, is awaiting an answer to a call for a pastor. I'm worried about my college age and post college age kids. Well, I mean, I don't know who'd you call, <laughs> you know. Uh are they members of the congregation? I I'm worried about my college age and post college age kids no matter what, whether there's a new pastor coming or not. You know? Uh I'm worried about my college age and college age kids. Now, and I don't have any, <laughs> you know my oldest is fourteen. I'm worried about the ones that I do have that are at church, some of them who don't come, some of them who do come. I'm worried about everybody because I'm a worry wart, so there's that but but you know what- what Stacy what's behind this you know uh is your concern that they would become believers because they're kind of not at the moment they're not practicing is your concern that they would be turned off by a pastor who is unable to speak clearly to them? Uh, is your concern that uh, you know they don't think it's relevant already, and you want it to become relevant? There's so many different ways to look at this. Certainly, prayer is an important thing here, but I think—I mean, why am I worried about college-age, post-college-age kids? It's because they don't know anything. That's why they have been so unprepared for a worldview. And they're just getting demolished out there. They got nothing to defend themselves with. They want. I mean, we mentioned the armor of God. They're out there without armor, and they don't got a sword. They kind of maybe have a sword on a shelf at home, and they've never practiced using it. And they're out. I mean, they're at war. If you're in, if you're on the college campus, that is the that is the front lines of this war. And we don't have pastors there, as Missouri City, because you can't make money. I mean, we do a couple places, but you, generally, you can't make money. On college ministry because college kids don't give money. So you need people who want to sacrifice in order to have a ministry there. And so instead what happens is we we abandon them. I don't know why we send them to college anyway, by the way. That's my own opinion. But there's a lot more going on there than just what they're being taught about math. Oh, my goodness. What a a dangerous thing. Getting coffee as well. Ready to head to work soon. Says, Ryan, that was back when I ran away. All right. So, huh. Well, I'm looking for your comments that would be like a question to really follow. Scott says, wasn't the gist of the aesthetic movement that drove so many to monasteries and convents in the 3rd to 16th centuries, even today, to some extent? but wasn't that the gist of the aesthetic movement? Yes, it was. It wasn't pure Gnosticism, but it certainly was influenced by it. And their desire to reject the world in its sinful condition became a desire to reject the world, Period. And so you have a real confusion of the articles there and a loss of vocation, right? A loss of identity as humans in the, in the world that God made. Now, to be fair, it was also at a time when it was very dangerous to be outside. Uh, and so, you know, the monasteries to some extent are just a strongholds for, for Christians to live in, but you do have the development of the monastic orders, uh, the, the hyper legalizing of justification in those processes Uh, There certainly was – there was a lack of clarity in dogma. The battle for Christ's person and the battle for the Trinity had been fought, but the battle for justification had not yet been fought. Not not loudly. I mean, uh, Augustine did it a little bit. And it was not until – the Lutheran Reformation that that battle was really fought. I think all along you have people who are teaching Christ is your salvation. Christ justifies you. It just happens that they say that because the scriptures say that sometimes, but to get to a point where that had been so clearly enunciated and then printed and distributed. So now, you know, we can go back and look at the old arguments and we just have more knowledge in our hands, more access to things than they did to, to um, kind of see the big picture. And I'm I, not to say that the early church fathers didn't have a, a deeper knowledge of scripture than I do. I think they did. But it doesn't mean that they always necessarily um, could see all the exegetical lines. Right? Um, they definitely had a piety that was far surpassing ours. So yeah, yeah. Um, narcissism was very much a part of that. And the idea that somehow you're going to have a a truer knowledge of God in the monastery, you're going to be closer to God, you're going to really know God once you start climbing stairs on your knees. As opposed to if you just are a farmer, I mean, you can kind of know God, but not really, right? Yeah, it's very much the same kind of thing. Skip to the bottom. Chris says, uh, recently moved to a big city, 6 million people, and with so many LCMS churches in the valley, there are only one or two confessional churches. I defined that church before accepting the new job. Yeah, man, that's exactly it. And, uh, it's amazing to me that at a time when Lutherans could be distinguishing themselves from the world and where the world's really hungering for what we got, they're chasing the evangelicals and the evangelicals are already saying we're dying. <laughs> you know, we did, oops, what happened? We don't know. And we're like, oh, we should do more of that. That'll fix it. Oh, my goodness. So I meant to make a pitch earlier. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Rockford has, uh, a lot of job openings. It needs trained labor, good labor, intelligent labor. Doesn't have enough of that. Yeah. There's a good church here. Little city on the river, Northern Illinois. It's Illinois. You can live in Beloit though, twenty minutes away. Not quite the same taxes. Cute town, and uh, there's a good church here. But why not? Why not move to Rockford and go to Saint Paul Lutheran Church? Why would you not? Nah? Oh, you got other stuff to do? Okay, fine, fine. That's good. That's good. Just don't, just don't think it's not an option. It's an option. Derek and Melanie, as much as my wife and I enjoy your old stuff, we, your current work is even better. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it's different. It's different. I can't dance like that anymore. Nope, 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 nope. Can't pretend to be that guy. But, I'm glad it worked for what it did when it did. I did string together comments, then Fisk only read one of them and didn't get it. Yeah, well, sorry, man. Um, I looked... I didn't see it. Loving Jesus says, I have looming guilt from six years in hyper charismania mysticism. I've repented. I hate that I wandered away, but I still have this cloud of guilt. Oh God bless you. Um why? she says. Are you kidding me? I mean uh, I'm I'm being snarky in a loving way. You have a cloud of guilt. Because you're descended from Adam, and therefore have guilt, worthy of damnation. And Jesus has opened your eyes to see it, and so you have a cloud of guilt. And then Jesus has said to you, "I forgive you." And you're like, "Oh, that's so good." And you're like, you look down. You're like, but my guilt's still here. He's like, "No, it's not." It sure, feels like it's here. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it is. But it's not. What do you mean it's not? Well, I've got it. I've got it taken care of. But I still feel it. Yeah, you do. But I've got it. Well, I'm just supposed to believe that you're enough, Jesus? Yes. Just supposed to believe that you're enough, Jesus. That's it. sufficient. Huh? Why do I have this kind of guilt? Because you're a sinner. You're a sinner redeemed of grace by grace, which means that's why you see the cloud of guilt. Because... Sinners not redeemed by grace, as those who don't believe, they don't see it. They might feel it, but they never call it what it is. They run and run and run. They build walls, all sorts of walls to keep that guilt away. The particular freedom of a Christian is to know the cloud of guilt. It's you. And every morning, the rest of your fallen life, you and your guilt are going to be right there in your face, ugly as the day is long. And right there is the beautiful, beautiful gospel of Jesus saying, yep, but <laughs> now another righteousness has been revealed. Yeah, but I still feel it. Yeah. As well, you should. That's what faith does. It makes you see clearly. You see who you are. So loving Jesus, that guilt's never going to go away and you don't want it to. The, the day that guilt goes away, you stopped being a Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a day that that guilt goes away. The day Jesus comes back, you won't stop being a Christian that day. You'll be raised imperishable on that day. But aside from that day, that guilt will not leave you. And you don't want it to. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. uh, Causing you to admit groans that are deeper than words can express. Groans of need and acknowledgement of your need. And then being driven by that to the clarity and sufficiency of the cross of Jesus. I'm just supposed to believe in Jesus? Yeah! (laughs) Yeah! Isn't it is funny? It's like, wait, wait a minute. Did I just get to a point where I asked the question if the gospel of who Jesus is is actually the point as if it might not be? That's what our flesh does. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Isn't it? All right. Oh, let's see here. Cafe Sola. The shelf thing sounds like they are Catholic. I don't, I don't, that's what our Bible spent all of its time. Oh, no, no, no. Lutherans put their Bibles on the shelves too. Jeez. Yeah, we do. We barely touch them. Barely touch them. I haven't seen Knowing God 2 yet. Looks like a great Bible class. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel as good about that one. It was all right. I felt a little less prepared, even though I prepared more. That's the weird, weird thing. Artist's question. MomMuster says I have to answer artist's question. That's interesting. I will try. Oh, here we go. All right. Speaking of knowing God, I have a question after your Knowing God 2 class this past week. Do Lutherans make a general versus special revelation distinction that we need special to know about Jesus? Yes. Yes. Uh, So what what do we mean by that? The heavens declare the glory of God. The Psalms, right? Uh, And Paul talks about how God can be known from the things that have been made in Romans 1. So there is a general revelation of God in the created order, the first article knowledge of God. It is is divine, it is omnipotent, it is true, and it is life-giving, except for once you no longer believe in him anymore and have lost him behind the veil of your sin. At which point, that general knowledge of God, the most you can learn of him, like the cleanest most pure knowledge you can get of the true god from nature alone is that he's killing you that he's he is royally pissed off which is why every other religion in the world eventually institutes some form of sacrifice right you just have to have there's some way to like say, god stop it or gods or sh- river god tree god fire god whatever stop it here kill the animal instead right you will always institute sacrifice because the general knowledge of god is that he's angry And this is why when you go and you watch the nature channel, you see animals killing each other. It's why Darwin proposes survival of the fittest is the only real universal law. Why death is the way that everything works in the evolutionary theory. So with that said, you can also in this general revelation of God observe that while he might be angry with us, nonetheless, there is an order to everything. It is not chaos. Pure. Pure. But that there is a structure in the chaos and that the chaos even becomes a structure. That there's a way that it it is tied together or hemmed in or controlled. So you can see that too. And you can start to see what might be called uh, rules of thumb, wisdom, things that are generally true, things even that are ultimately true. And so if you want to talk about, say, the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. You don't need special revelation to know you shall not murder. And it's pretty straight up. Like it's because when someone tries to murder you, you're like, that's wrong. Stop it. <laughs> like it's, it's completely built in. So the, the the bare knowledge of the Ten Commandments is also discoverable in nature. That there is a God, that he exists out there somewhere. Now his name particular you can't get, you know, that that he must be placated with holiness, that you need him to like be on good terms with you. That's third commandment, that's all there. Fourth commandment again, that order and, and structure is built into everything. That that's all there. That we're supposed to be happy, ninth and tenth commandments. That's also there. The pursuit of happiness in God. That's general revelation, and the best it can ever do for you is kill you with guilt. Yeah. Kill you knowing something's wrong. So then you also need the special revelation, which would be your second article, third article. The special revelation would be God, after creation has fallen, inserting himself to say, and this too. And that word has always been incredibly particular. Peculiar, particular. Not general, not random and not discoverable apart from it being said out loud by voices. <laughs> you can't find it in the wind and the rock and the tree and the dirt, Yoda. You can only find it in the actual repetition of it. So from the start, the seed will be born of woman. Boom, special revelation. And that confession is held, and then more confession is given. Abel gets confessioned. Seth gets confession revelation to him. Uh, Noah, for sure, right? And then after Noah, you get Abraham, you get Moses, and so forth, all the way down. But all of those many and various ways lead to one, one special revelation. They're all about the one. They're all about this man, Jesus. They're all telling that he's going to come. That's the entire point of the entire thing, is he's going to come as mercy from God to fulfill that role. He does, he comes. Hyper special one-time revelation. God became flesh and dwelt among us a new word a new word a new creation even and in him being the firstborn of the new creation both by virtue of his divinity but then also by virtue of his going through death and rising on the other side now that special revelation that is words from him about him to pull us from the death that we're in in general revelation um that is the gospel and that is why the scriptures are so essential over and against the world because without the scriptures this gospel has no permanent confession among us. They're there to be the permanent confession. To, to be the test against which all things are test. The norm against all, which all things are normed. So then the scriptures are that special revelation. But that doesn't mean the Bible by itself just kind of is going to automatically count. Like I open it and I speak truth. No, no. Because if you lose the special revelation of Jesus of Nazareth dead and raised, the Bible's a closed book to you. It will become simply another form of law by which you try to justify yourself. So we really want to keep special revelation emphasized as he has risen. He has risen just as he said. The prophecies have come to pass. It is finished. And everything else is tied to and from that. You don't need special revelation for the law. But the gospel is very special, very particular, very peculiar, very outside of normal, and very, very God doing something new when compared to the general revelation of creation. So, hope that helps. Hope that helps. Uh, more to explain my question around in room. room. Hopefully, I, I think I got there for you, right? So, I, And you seem to already have some knowledge of general and special. So, it's, it's not like it's that tough. I normally wouldn't use that language. I would talk about natural law. what we can know by observing the universe or i would talk about wisdom in the sense of things that are generally true and then i would talk about the gospel i would talk about um uh well the gospel would be the main thing i would go you could you could go with the wisdom of faith or or the wisdom of believing in jesus as well there's there's a way in which that's a special wisdom the wisdom of mercy Uh, but natural law versus versus the gospel yeah Uh uh-oh Baron Albatross one-year-old baby woke up, gotta go, Catch the reruns. You know, I read that and I was like, I thought it said I have the runs. So I was like, you don't need to share that, Barry, or Baron. That's okay. All right. Jeff says, do you have any advice on LCMS churches that have moved from law and gospel to emphasize the input of the Bible into practice and practice as followers of Jesus? <laughs> are our synods and seminaries moving in that direction? Um, St. Louis, probably. Uh, Fort Wayne, probably not. Any advice for those churches? Um, look, Honesty and transparency is really valuable. So frankly, if you want to be an evangelical in thought, word, and deed, then be one. If you think that pretending to be an evangelical while also being a Lutheran and trying to kind of hide Lutheranism under an evangelical veneer, if you think that's going to work, it's going to trick anybody into wanting to be a Lutheran, You're just fooling yourself with stupidity. Either you're going to go all the way and become an evangelical eventually. Or um, you're going to go halfway and no one's going to like it. The Lutherans will hate it and the evangelicals will hate it. The only ones who will like it are the sad Lutherans who don't know their Lutheranism anymore. And are like, oh, good, it's different. It's not like it used to be. And like, that's all they've got. But no one who comes in is going to be like, well, that's some sweet rock and roll. I want to join. Because it won't be sweet rock and roll. It'd be really bad rock and roll. And you won't even do it well. You'll borrow all the worst songs. You'll borrow their worst songs. They'll think they're the worst songs. (laughs) You know, you won't be on the cutting edge. You want to be on the cutting edge, be on the cutting edge. But then that would not be, see, the cutting edge would not be holding to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Yeah. So what advice do I have? I mean, are you asking as a member in one of those congregations, you got to find another church, man. I mean, talk to the pastor, the pastor I'm concerned, when the pastor dismisses you, because he probably will, um, sadly. And if you're the pastor who dismissed, or I would not, well, then don't. Then you have a nice conversation with this poor Christian who's just wanting to be fed. Talk to the pastor when he dismisses you. Talk to your friends. If they'll listen, well, talk more. (laughs) And then visit a church that won't do this. I mean I, I don't know how to say it I mean it's, it's a trap it's a trap you know hey, it's a trap the devil has so deluded us and we are so club mentality German culture building worshipping catechisms important but none of us even know what it says morons culturally like we built this we built this as our assumptions that we can't even see the lie we're going to move from law and gospel to emphasizing Bible in practice, which would be what law, <laughs> right? Or is it gospel? What does it mean? Nobody knows. Just, we're just followers of Jesus. We're not Christians anymore. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Really? You'd rather not be a Christian. You say, you'd rather be a follower of Jesus. You say, what's the difference? Well, followers of Jesus, no God. Oh, not this again. Oh my goodness. Again. Right. I mean, it's just, it is a path into less certainty. You're rejecting the abuse of certainty in making dogma into jargon by which we didn't know what we were talking about anymore and told ourselves we're justified by holding on to it. And you think the answer to that, forgetting truth by over-defining truth, the answer to that is not having any truth at all. I mean, knee-jerk. Pendulum swing. Right off the cliff. The answer to not understanding the jargon of your dogma is to learn the jargon of your dogma. And if you think you're going to put the Bible into practice as a follower of Jesus by moving away from law and gospel, you are going to be a follower of the devil. Sorry! I'm not talking about jargon. I'm talking about God speaking truth that you're supposed to do and God speaking promises that are always true and will never be pulled away from you and are in fact salvation itself in the present and without which there is none. You want to move away from that to follow Jesus? Where? Where is this Jesus you would like me to follow? Can you show him to me, please? I would like to meet him. This Jesus I'm supposed to follow. Oh, he's in the silence. And again, right? Still small voice, quiet time, all this. There's no Jesus there. There's no Jesus there. This is my body. There's Jesus there. He says that. Well, that doesn't count. Where does he say, I'm going to find him in a corner in prayer? He doesn't say that. So you're going to follow this made up Jesus Where? And yeah, they'll open the Bible and they'll point to a verse here and there. And where they'll end up is law. Law. That is, do this. That's how I know. How do we know we're Christians? How much we love each other. That's how. We're really friendly. Oh, okay. What about those Muslims over there? They're friendly with each other. They totally take care of each other. Oh, that doesn't count. They don't have Jesus. Oh, well, but you said love is everything. Which is it? See, it's a descent, again, into squishy. It's a descent into fluid, which means it's a descent into where the false teacher can just do whatever he wants, and you have no way to know he's doing it. Do I have any advice? Yeah, don't get ready for false teachers. Like, don't pave their way. They're going to try to come anyway, but don't roll out the red carpet for them by being this vacuous. Vacuous. Followers of Jesus is more palatable for the unbeliever. Really? It confuses those who are half listening. Live stream might be going over the two hour mark. It's well over the two hour mark, dollism. <laughs> We're well past it. Um so I'm trying to see what you guys are what you guys are doing here in the sides with this. Uh the best thing about being a follower of Jesus is that it takes the focus off of Jesus and puts it on me and what I'm doing, as it should be, right? Well, yeah, you're kind of right, Andrew. Um, why are you bigger than everybody else? Um, that's exactly right. Although they don't realize it, but that's where it's law, right? Christianity is about the christening of you. It's about you being made Christian. And that christening, by the way, comes of translation out of baptism. We translate it away that we're baptized into christened, to anoint. So, I don't want to be anointed by God. I would rather be in charge of my decision to follow Jesus. Let the dead bury their own dead. Brian, I'm not sure about your wondering if it confuses people half listening, but when Chris says followers of Jesus is more palatable for the unbeliever, I think that's a fascinating proposition. Is it really? Who said that? Which unbelievers are we talking about? And how do we give them permission to tell us what we could say and what we couldn't say? And why would it be more palatable, palatable for them? Be a reason for us to do it more because the unbelievers are going to say it is more palatable for me if you will deny your God. And so all I have to do until I convert is try to get you to deny your God a little bit. That's the only thing I know how to do because your God makes me uncomfortable because he's going to kill me. He thinks he killed me in Jesus, and that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I want to be in charge of my own death. Thank you very much. And so uh, it is not palatable to me. So I don't see how that makes it a reason to do it. Now, do we want to speak in ways that people understand? I mean, I've been making that case. But that's not about it being palatable. That's about it being heard. And frankly, if, if we're going to try to redefine ourselves as something other than the word Christian so people will understand what we mean, I just don't think followers of Jesus because anywhere near what we're supposed to say. It's so far off. Followers of Jesus. Where in the New Testament do they call themselves followers of Jesus? Where does Jesus call them followers? He says, follow me. It talks about those who followed him. Although the distinction between disciple and crowd is pretty dang important. You're just following Jesus in the crowd. You are condemned, man, regularly. You don't even believe. You want to join the crowd not be a disciple? Why don't we just do disciples makes a lot more sense. Granted, it's got its own baggage, but I'd take that in a million years, every time over a follower. Because at least then you have the word discipline, something serious you can kind of deal with, as opposed to just like, again, where is this Jesus I'm following? Show me him. Where am I supposed to find him? The still small voice. See, just—it's just—it's—it's—it's just, it's, it's, it's the devil's words to muddy the waters so you never know Jesus got taken away from you. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Christ. It's the evangelicals. Oh, I hate denominations. I just follow Jesus. Oh, really? Really? That's clever. That's clever how you didn't even realize you did the very thing you're saying you don't want to do. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Luther Girl says, please go through catechesis. I've been through class three times in my life. Uh, I learned something new each time. And She's saying this to Loving Jesus, who is up here. Ah, there you are. We've been in Confessional Lutheran Church for three months. Um, awesome. Awesome. I uh I hope you're talking to your pastor directly. I found that for individuals who come into uh Christianity, <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way, Lutheran Christianity, uh, there's so many questions and so many holes. That you, you really want to be in a one on one conversation with your pastor if you can be. Because you know, finding where those holes are. Your question about guilt earlier, particularly, uh, he can he can help you with that. Yeah, better than I can. And uh going through catechesis, yes. What does that mean? (laughs) Right? Uh, you need to be in a conversation with your pastor leading toward, now we, I would use the word examination of your faith, but it doesn't mean a test, right? The idea is that together you're gonna, you're gonna lay out what, what is the foundational thing that we believe that is Christianity? Let's examine our worldview, right? Let's look at it. And let's, let's contend for it and strive to have it be what the scriptures actually say. So catechesis, the repetition of what the scriptures have always said and what Christians in every time and place have said, it says that process of examining our current assumptions, according to that ancient confession, it is a highly valuable thing. Now, different places do it differently. And sometimes the class can be a little more dry than you want. Um, and I would say, talk to your pastor about that, too, if that happens. Right? Be one on one, be face to face, get some questions going Uh, don't let it be a hoop, but by all means, I mean, if you're attending and he's faithful and I'm assuming he is, then, uh, you want to dig and he's there to help you dig. Yeah. Go further up. Do you know how hard that is to do? There's a lot of up. Um, I would like to go further up. Yeah. There you go. Never stop being catechized. That's right. Never stop learning. Never stop the discipline of the word. Yeah. Which is why you're watching, right? Right. That's why I'm talking. I need it too. Uh, I was born and raised 39 years ago since Dalism, confessional LCMS, and I still learn more. Then again, I might be a slow learner. We all are. You never actually outgrow the need for more food. I mean, God's going to keep speaking through all history. I don't think that we're going to get bored with it. Yeah. Uh, should our family go through catechism? Sorry if that sounds dumb. Uh, and yeah. So again, I would talk to your pastor first. And honestly, Regardless of what he says, I would say, "Can we meet one on one with you as a family? Because <laughs> uh, you're going to get a better education that way." Uh, make him do it. He probably will, he'll probably be like, "Yeah, <laughs> wow, you're interested. That's great." Uh, yeah. uh, Dollars and what do you want me to do? The devil is more palatable for the unbeliever. True. Uh, is that what it was? That was, that was? that was it. All right. I off topic. There we go. No Schrader. Cloud facing Midgar. Cool background. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Final Fantasy Seven. Six seven. I don't even know. Uh six. Cool background. Yes. Thoughts on Chrono Trigger? Didn't you do that? I did that last week. Cool listen to last week. I already talked about Chrono Trigger. <laughs> it's a cool game. Uh, and I should uh, fair disclosure. While I love cloud facing midgar and the concepts in place in, in the original playstation final fantasy 6 um i never played it i didn't have a playstation because i liked link too much and i could only buy one system and so i kept buying nintendo's to play link and i missed a lot of good games as a result of that and finally i was like you know what this ain't worth it link's good but he's not this good but it was after you know i'd, I'd missed midgard and uh and cloud, and all of that. So I'm kind of excited that the best Final Fantasy ever, at least according to everyone who ever played that one, is being completely redone for uh, for this generation's software and hardware, which is awesome. So my my only Final Fantasy actual experience is Final Fantasy X, X whatever. Beat that one. Um, it was good. It was fine. Uh, it, it was the beginning of the end, though, in terms of creativity, I think. And then um, the original, number one. Number one, which I have now beaten in multiple times in my life. I beat that in my 20s, my 30s, when I was young. And man, that, that one is boring as heck now. But it, it really, uh, oh, it's such a cool initial concept. Oh, It's really cool. Anyway, so yeah. So for what that's worth. Let's see. Who must desire more training? An uncoachable athlete, even though he is good, will wear out his usefulness quickly. True that, Scott. True that. Am I ever going to enable super chats? You know, I've seen the advertisements for me to do that. I probably should. Since you ask, I will make a note. I will make a note. That's going to take a second. And it's going to mean that I actually don't know where my notes that I had from earlier this morning are. I have started this practice. Um, let's see. Super chat. That sounds like, like a really cool song from the seventies. Super chat. Um, I started this practice of keeping a little sticky note pad with me when I do my mindfulness and it's kind of kept me from doing as much mindfulness as I probably should. (laughs) Cause every time I have a really important thought, I write down and I come out with like two to three note sticky notes every day. And it's like, wait, I didn't do the ones yesterday that I did. How do I, there's more. Oh no. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Super chat. The trick is with all that stuff. It's like learning the software is the, is the trick. And I've got a number of those things to do. Uh, and so figuring that piece out, but it would be an income stream, would it not? Yes. Uh so yeah, good question. I'll follow up on it. Let's see. Uh tenacity pays off. Who's who's tenacity? Numerology, good or bad, indifferent? Conan the destroyer, I admire tenacity. Um I I I don't know. you oh you're talking to Conan, who's somewhere in here, right? Yeah. Cafe Sola asks about numerology. Good, bad, indifferent. What do you mean? What do you mean by numerology? Do you mean that the Bible uses numbers eventually in a symbolic way that builds upon the historic revelation of God's use of those numbers? Then yes, numerology, absolutely there. Uh, Numerology, do you mean that there are secret codes hidden in the Bible that allow us to find knowledge that's even more deeply buried in it that you would never find just by reading the Bible? No, I don't believe that at all. So our uh, are, are numbers, magical things. So when you find a holy number in the Bible that has a meaning, can I now apply that number to my life and practice? And it'll give that meaning to my life and practice now, as in since 40 days would be the time Jesus was in the wilderness. uh, Since 40 days is the time that the flood came. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's about growth in God. And so therefore, if I do the purpose-driven life for 40 days, then God will bless it. Yeah. That's nonsense is what that is. That's magic. That's white magic. It's evil. It's a denial of the second and third commandments all at once. So no, it's not there but the millennium of Jesus Christ raised from the dead that will last a thousand years is numerology. That is learning what the numbers mean in the old Testament. So we know what they mean in the new Testament. Is it involved in that? And when you discovered that the number 10 is the number of completion and the number three is the number of God. And so you have 10 times 10 times 10. That's God cubing completion as a thousand is God's full completion. Yes. It's it's all over the Bible (laughs) completely. Did I answer your question? I don't know. It depends on what you asked, doesn't it? All right. So this might be a good short clip. Ah, uh, maybe. I don't know why. I need to put my camera on the wall so this stops happening. It's like there's an earthquake going on. All right. So it is now. It is 910. And I'm willing to stick around another 20 minutes. We've lost a few of you. I'm really to stick around another 20 minutes, but I need Something to answer. I do not have answers made up to give you, so I need you to tell me what I should answer. Conan's tenacity would be a great inside joke. True enough. I don't know what I said, but um, uh, you could meme something like that, right? Like, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't need to do that. I wanted to close this. Close this. I don't know what face I would make though. Like, like. No. Tell me again about Conan's tenacity. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah, numerology in 60 seconds. That was fast. That just barfed out of me, didn't it? Uh, Somebody. Somebody give me something. Where's my cloudy pillar? Hopefully, when confronted with that, they don't react negatively. Yeah, right. Um, Well, you know, Alfredo, about those guys. I mean, they're good guys. I look forward to talking to them again. Uh, looking for God where he told you you won't be found. That's the truth. Uh, Anybody? Cremation. Oh, my goodness. Really? Ardith? Really? Cremation. Cremation. What about it? You guys ask questions without them being questions and you expect me to answer all possible questions from it? And I, you know, there is a meme about that too, like, right? Like, I accept your challenge. Right? Uh, Cremation. What about it? By it, do you mean can Christians be cremated and still be saved? The answer is yes, of course they can. Nothing you do to your body or that is done to your body, particularly after you're dead, can stop God from saving you. Should Christians get cremated? Probably not. It it doesn't really confess a belief in the value of the body, the permanency of the body, or the resurrection of the body. In fact, it comes from confessing that the body's done. Period. Gone. Never coming back. So, probably not the best thing ever. Can a Christian get cremated? Yeah. I mean, look, if you can't afford the Cadillac is going to put your children in debt to bury you and they won't eat because you paid for the burial. Well then, I mean, throw the body in a pile, you know, eat. So I tell my kids, so I tell my kids, look, if it's, if it's bury me in a box and don't eat or cremate me and eat, please eat, eat. Okay. My body will be fine. I will rise on the last day. Just fine. But does that mean it's the most, it's the best practice? Does that mean that cremation is the best way to confess what we believe? No, not at all. And the fact that so many Christians do it without thinking twice about it—they don't even like think. Well, maybe this is bad. Well, that, that's a scary thing because what really is going on in the in the amplification of creation, the removal of funerals from the congregation and the church, the ceasing of graveside committals and the scattering of ashes—all this stuff. What's really going on is that we we are we have already. It's not that we are losing. We have already lost a belief in the resurrection of the dead. And as a result of no longer believing that, we now practice accordingly. We confess accordingly. We confess, I die, I go to heaven. There is no resurrection. The body is done with, and so do with it, whatever, whatever. Make me into a tree. Bury me with a seed. Blah, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with having a seed in your coffin, by the way, if you wanted to. It's the problem is, is why? What What are you saying? Why do you believe this? Why would you want this? That issue's there, but the, the cremation is just the outflow of this. It's kind of like women acolytes, girl acolytes, right? The problem is not girl acolytes. I mean, there's nothing that would make it so that a an eight year old girl can't light a candle in a church in a, in a group of people, right? I mean, there's nothing like 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 I do not permit a woman to teach. Really, doesn't stretch down to I do not permit an eight year old girl to light candles, right? It just it, like you just can't get there, okay? That's not the problem. The problem is why we got there. When we decided Girl Acolytes, how and what else happened in the context that got us there? Oh, feminism and the ultra-destruction of the sexuality of the human species and the dignity of human life over the last century is how we got there. Hmm. Maybe we should slow down. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't do more of that maybe we should return to the Lord and his word and see what his word really says and try to have our practices reflect that word. But we're not going to do that just by getting rid of female acolytes. Like you walk in, oh, that's sinful, get rid of that. Like like everyone's going to think you're crazy. You have to come in, you have to talk about man and woman in Christ. Man and woman in Christ, who we are. So, So also with cremation, You're not going to get people to believe in the resurrection by shouting about cremation and how how evil it is. But if you are a Christian who understands the resurrection, should you plan to get cremated? Well, you should plan not to if you can help it. And by the way, in my newsletter, I think it was last week, there were links to stories about the monopoly of the funeral home industry and its manipulation of prices. So that if you plan your funeral without them ahead of time, you can save a great deal of money. And it's kind of like, like, would you go buy a car when you are emotionally unstable? Like, is that a good plan? Like I'm really, I'm depressed and emotionally unstable and need help making my emotions feel better. So I'm going to go out and let some guy who wants to sell me $40,000 worth of stuff. Just talk to me for three hours. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll be able to say no. No, you won't. You were in no capacity to make a decision at that time. And what you're going to do is you're going to buy stuff you didn't need to buy. And they know that. And they're doing that. And it's wicked. So, you know, if you're worried about cremation, do it ahead of time. And tell your kids about walmart.com where you can buy a coffin half price. Half the price you will at the, at the store, and they have to let you do it. Boom. Check that out. Yeah? Cremation. Duh, not ideal. But at the same time, like it's it's a misguided argument. If we're going to get in a fight about cremation, we, we've already lost. Like We should be able to acknowledge immediately, you know, it's not the best idea because I'm going to rise from the dead. And I'd like to confess that. At the same time, it hardly, it hardly is the hill to die on right now. If Christians have to get cremated because it's the only thing the government lets us do, you're not more of a Christian because you refuse it. It, it's just not that kind of fight. yeah. But by all means, give the good confession. Now, here's the thing, loving Jesus. Caramel, while a great flavor, is not a great question. <laughs> Sorry, that was stupid. <laughs> uh, so where is Carmel's question? There it is. My dad is in the throes of the charismaticism. I love it. The charismaticism. It's just a typo. But it's kind of like talking about the dark side. Enticed by the charismaticism they are, uh, and wants to pray over my newborn son, most likely in tongues. Ugh. Um. Well, would you this? this okay, I'm gonna give Snark answer first because it's kind of fun. So, so get your Lutheran pastor and tell him you want him to do Luther's exorcism right uh, for the baby before the baptism, and then have that be and you want it right out of Luther, not the new one. You want the original Luther one. Okay. And then that could be right after speaking in tongues. So the speaking in tongues things happens and then pastor comes in and full on does, you know, drive the devil out, <laughs> which is what it is. It's awesome. Yeah. And that way, if your dad happens to put a demon in him with his speaking in tongues nonsense, your son is going to be protected by the baptism that you will confess he gets. Um. Yeah. That'd be fun to do, honestly. I wouldn't mind that. I think it'd be a uh, it'd be a riot for everybody. But how can I address this issue while I'm still honoring my father? Here's the thing about honoring your father and your mother. Right? Do you remember that time when uh, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter and I think it's John is with him at this point. Uh, he, they're preaching. They're preaching, and they end up getting arrested and thrown into prison, and beaten. And then the Pharisees, and Sadducees too, they, they bring them to them and they say, look, I'm paraphrasing here, right? But but look, we really don't want to beat you. We really don't want to kill you. We really want everything to just be fine and normal and dandy. So stop preaching in his name. Okay, so now what, what's going on here? Now, slow down before you go to the answer. You have the God-given legal and religious authority over those two men telling them from their office god-given office to punish the wicked and to encourage the good telling them to stop preaching in jesus name and in response they say we must obey god rather than men now let that be your fourth commandment okay now now should we always honor the office yes Should we always respect the office? Yes. But the office never has the power to overturn the word which made the office. Or do it another way. I I don't know that everyone agrees with me on this, but I'm pretty confident that the Ten Commandments flow from each other, and that each one that came first is of greater priority than the others because they come out from it. So in order for the Fourth Commandment of Order, Father and Mother and all society to exist, first God must speak it into being, which is the Third Commandment, God speaking. And so You cannot use the fourth commandment to make the third commandment go away. And so you cannot honor your father by allowing him to teach falsely over your son in the church at his baptism. You can't. That would not be honoring your father. It would not be honoring the God who made the commandment to honor father. So, now that doesn't mean that's what the conversation you should have with your dad, right? I'm just trying to go at you first here, right? Ease your tongue, not ease your tongue, ease your heart in knowing that it is not dishonoring your dad to disagree with your dad and it is not dishonoring your dad to tell him no when he's a false teacher or a heterodox teacher or a just erring teacher, erring erring Christian. You're not dishonoring him in this. You would be if you let him do it in front of everybody and then called him out right there in front of everybody, that would be dishonoring him. Yeah, if you embarrassed him. So you don't want to embarrass him. But long and short, honoring him would be to say, hey, dad, I'd love you to be there. But I actually believe this thing you're doing is not what the Bible teaches. And so, no, you can't do that over my son, your grandson. No, no, because as much as I want to honor you, you must honor my authority over this child because, you know, granddad ain't dad and he ain't mom. I mean, it's a tough one to, to to get to, you know. Unless unless the kid lives in your in his house permanently, uh, he's not the authority. A man has left his father and mother and cleaved his wife to become one flesh. We have a new we have a new creation in that family, in that unit, right? a new authority structure, we, in which father and mother are also present and in an existence, and so we want to honor that office as well. And he needs to honor that office. So, um, yeah. And I can't imagine anywhere that there's a Lutheran pastor that's faithful, that's going to let your dad speak in tongues in his church anyway. <laughs> so, you know, talk to your pastor. Have him be the bad guy. I'd do it. I'd be the bad guy for you. Uh, yeah, no, you can't do that. Sorry. You know, it, I, I really just bear with me here. Like, we just don't think that. You want, want to have a Bible study about it? You and me one on one? Let's talk. Right. But, but this is going to be what we do here. Why won't you let me come in and do it? You know, the irony of all that is like, if I walked into a, a Baptist charismatic church and started yelling about how they wouldn't let me baptize my kid right then my baby in front of them, they'd be like, you're crazy, man. That's not what we do. And yet Lutherans, they come in and they do that to us and we're like, Oh, we should be nicer. (laughs) It's just nuts. Carmel, did I answer your question? I hope that I did. How can you address this issue while still honoring your father? You tell him no, gently, kindly, privately. And with some geared attempt at understanding, so he can know that while you know he believes this, you don't believe it yourself. You have a different confession of Christianity, and you'd love to come to unity on that, but you're not there. And that your pastor is a good one to have a conversation with together, if that's what's going to be pursued. Yeah, Does that help? Does that help? Does that help? All right, do Roman Catholics have the same sacrament, and does it stay that way if reserved? Good question. I would say yes, they do have the same sacrament. I'd be willing to have a a Lutheran gently point to me, classic Lutheran teachings that would disagree if they do, but I'm pretty confident we say... The word and the element make the sacrament they have the word they don't deny the word like the reform do and so the word is there and makes a sacrament then they go and they talk about all the weird things that make the word work and they're wrong about all of that but then generally speaking somebody eats and drinks it and so in the eating and drinking then therefore the whole act is happening now when they do not eat and drink it at all does god have the right to say you don't have my word Right? I'm not a receptionist, but certainly if you if you use the words as, as pure magic and then never engage in the communal act, then you haven't engaged in the communal act at all. So does he is he conscience bound as God to give you some bread that is him that you can put in a bookcase over there and charge money to see? I'm not gonna say that. But I will say that when a Roman Catholic priest speaks the words of institution and delivers the bread and the wine, or one of them, to people to eat, I'm not gonna tell Jesus he's not a There, according to his word. Does it stay that way if reserved? Well, again, I'm not going to speak for Jesus on this one. I don't know. I don't know. The practice of of Lutheran, the the classic practice of Lutheran's handling the sacrament, which every time we get away from it, it causes problems because somebody wants to argue about something. If we just let the classic practice be there, there'd be no room for argument. The classic practice. We could not argue. It wouldn't let us if we just did it. You can have your own opinion. We don't have to talk about it. We just did the classic practice. The classic practice is you eat and drink all of it. You don't reserve any. Why? Because we don't know what happens after that point. You can say, well, I think it is this and I can think it's that. Okay, fine. You think that. Great. We don't know. So the classic practice is to eat and drink all of it because it may indeed remain him. So you certainly don't want to throw it away and put him in a cupboard. And if it's not him, well, it didn't really hurt anything about eating a little more, and drinking a little more. But the idea of reserving it on purpose, in order to parade it around as an idol, well, that's a different thing. But does does it stay that way? I don't know. I still don't know. It's just wrong. Right? It's just wrong. You're 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 using the gift of God in a way it was not meant to be. It's, it's as close to the snake on the pole being called Neshustun and worshipped as you're going to get in some ways, right? It's even on a pole in the Roman Catholic Church. Ugh. Yeah. So someone might say, well, Pastor Fisk, you eat and drink it all, but what about that little bit of wine that's left in the bottom of every single one of those individual cups? Well, yes, those things are a problem in that regard. They really make this difficult. It's much easier to drink all of it out of a chalice than it is out of those little things. No one really thought about that when we introduced it, nor do we think about it when we argue about it. But with that said... There is no classic Lutheran practice on it either because it's, it's a child of the 60s and 70s because the 60s and 70s made so many positive changes. <laughs> Jeez. That being said, if we were to do the closest to the classic Lutheran practice, Lutheran practice that we could get, you take those cups that you can't seem to drink out of and you put them in water until the water has totally cleaned all the wine that is possibly still and probably still, I think, Jesus in there. And you dump that wine outside. That water outside. Uh, or if you have a piscina, you dump it down the piscina. But not ideal. So, did I answer your question? Maybe. Do they have the sacrament? Yeah. Does it stay the sacraments when it's reserved? I don't know. And if it does, it's worse for them. Maybe better if it didn't. But I think it does. But I don't know. Oh. Good study, guys, on the catechism. Uh, not that I know of, honestly. I mean, echo kind of is the result of me reading the large catechism a bunch of times. So, I mean, there's that, but no, not really. I mean, I'm sure there's something on the CPH website, but a lot of times the study guides you find from CPH are what I might call disjointed feeling. Like they just don't really have a lot of ease of use. I don't know. I don't I I've never been able to put my finger on why I think that, um, it's not for lack of trying. And I've actually written my own studies for like broken. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, that's, that just is kind of contrived. Um, so I don't know. But I guess my question is why, why would you need a study guide for the large catechism? Have you tried it? Have you tried reading the large catechism? Like it is a study guide, like a study guide for the Bible. <laughs> so, so, so what do you need? What more do you need? So I'm curious if you got more to follow up on, uh, I'd say, have you read it yet? Just read it. It, it doesn't need doesn't need much study guideish stuff. Uh, I can clearly remember taking the true body and blood of Jesus for the first time after leaving Calvinism. Beautiful, yeah, awesome. Uh, da, 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 da. You can't stop someone for praying over anyone at any time for anything in any way, but God will find a way to work His will in the child's life. I, I see. I disagree, Dreamer. I'm pretty sure you can stop someone for from praying over anyone at any time for anything in any way because. Yeah. I mean, certainly someone, if, if he's going to pray in his head quietly somewhere, yeah, you can't stop it. But like, if he wants to do it publicly at an event, you can stop him. You can absolutely stop him. Like, no, you're not on the agenda, man. That ain't cool. And if he wants to disrupt the church, well, now the speaking in tongues is really condemning him because the very proclamation of Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 is this should not disrupt the church. If it's going to happen ever, it doesn't disrupt the church. So, hey, I mean, maybe that's what you want to say to to your dad. Hey, um, we, that will disrupt our church. So we're not going to, it will disrupt our church. We're not going to do that. Or do you plan on having an interpreter with you? <laughs> right. Uh, so dreamer, I I, 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 yeah, I couldn't disagree more. You totally can stop someone from praying publicly. And we should, you should not let anybody who wants to lead the church in prayer. Uh, it, it, that, that would be very much going against Paul's word of good order, uh, at the end of first Corinthians as well. Um, yeah. And as a pastor, your job is very much not to let a false teacher pray <laughs> in front of everybody. Very much what your job is. Uh, do Were the Old Testament sacrifices sacraments? Things themselves do nothing, Washing, eating, but with the word and command, they forgive sins. That's a tough one, man. Yes. No. Maybe. Kind of. Largely, but not the same. That's your answer. They certainly were prototypical sacraments. They certainly were mysteries of God attached to elements that, that certainly... Uh, linked people to Jesus of Nazareth, physically. And then were things for their faith to cling to. But then, are those old wineskins the same as the new wineskins? Is the way that they work the same? Are they as clear? You just start saying stuff you can't say. You just start making stuff up. So what we want to do is understand that the sacrament as a category is not really a biblical category to begin with. What you have are God's promises. And God's promises do different things At different times, sometimes they're just words, sometimes they're attached to elements. And of old, they were attached to certain elements that were shadows and incomplete. And of the New Testament, they are attached to new elements that are not in any way a shadow or incomplete. What does that mean? I don't know. It created faith in both instances. And now we have, well, the daylight is made more clear, right? So we should rejoice in what we have. And not worry too much about where the Old Testament sacrifices sacraments as to say, yes, God was present. This is how his word was pointed to going forward. Did it engender faith, create faith, put them in the faith, keep them in the covenant? Yes, of course, it's the word of God. How could it not? But, you know, to to argue about the category, um, it's a made up category, you know. Uh, Loving Jesus says, "Last Sunday, our church sang a right, song right, 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 co-written right, right, right. by." Oh my God. Is this Is this awful? So. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Is it the hymnal? And I know we've got a couple of the hymnal that could be a lot better. Uh, most of the are using them, at the right time, they're fine. Uh, so it's hard to say. Loving Jesus, it's hard to say, and I don't know the song. But uh, yeah, if they're, if they're just using songs randomly without the hymnal, then. Well, that's probably not a good sign. Is the Bible the only place that we hear God's voice? How would you argue this? Um, yes. And I would argue it with Hebrews one verse one in many and various ways. God spoke to his people of old by the prophets, but now in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. And probably John sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, if you love me, you will keep my word. And, and and Paul, Second uh, Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God's spirit, often translated breathed, but God's spirit useful for training in righteousness. Correction, rebuke, all that stuff. Everywhere in the Bible says this, to the point where it's like a circular argument the Bible is always making. The Bible, the word, says you need the Bible, the word. And don't forget, you need the Bible, the word. And then, oh, by the way, this is Jesus. <laughs> but but it, it is constantly saying that, right? Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. Um, and if you're going to say, well, that doesn't say he won't speak elsewhere. Okay, so where does it say he will? Where does it say he will? Where does Paul say, devote yourself to praying in quiet, and listening for the still small voice. Where does he say that? Show me that one. And if you want me to make the case for cessationism, it's it's a little slower to do that case. It can be done. It largely comes from Old Testament prophets, but it also comes from Paul saying that prophecy will cease. Prophecy will cease. And uh, divine knowledge, that is divine revelation of new knowledge, not knowing stuff, not knowing God, but divine revelation of new knowledge, it will pass away. You know? And so... Uh, well, all they can say is, well, that doesn't mean that. <laughs> it doesn't mean prophecy will cease. It means that prophecy won't cease. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, well, you know, if you don't want what it says, First Corinthians 14, right? It's 14? Yeah, 14. So, I don't know. Everywhere. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. He testified and did not deny. And he confessed. You know, it's, it's just, it's always about what was said. Where would you get anything else? And so my answer again is, look, I gave you a bunch of stuff. But why don't you tell me where on earth the Bible teaches we hear God's voice somewhere other than God's voice, which is his word written down. How does Peter say it in Second Peter? Um, we heard his voice speak from the glory on the majestic mountain, but now you have something even more certain. The word of God made more clear the apostles and the prophets. And I'm paraphrasing again, but you can find it. Second Peter is pretty short. So, yeah, you know, you convinced me from the scriptures why I should look somewhere else. I'm not going to I'm not going to give into the 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 gimmick that your argument from silence has any bearing over and against my continued argument from the actual text of scripture. So. Um, they sneak in one to two modern songs in addition to their hymns. Yeah, that's not going to stop and it will go badly eventually. So just beware as you join this new congregation, this is leaven and the leaven eventually takes over the whole lump and it can be very painful when it does. Um, I recommend being a jerk to your pastor. I recommend saying to him, you know what? I'm coming out of this. I'm trying to escape this. I think there's more people who also will want this in the future because there's starving Christians out there. And what you're doing is you're holding on to the very thing I'm trying to get away from, from, and you're introducing it to the place where it should not be. And you want to be nice when you say that. But if you don't say it, when the camel gets its nose under the tent, no, be nice. Be nice. Be the one who's weak because you are. The one who's hungry because you are. So Don't starve me, Pastor. Yeah, you know, uh, Brian, what I think is uh, the two-hour limit is just how long it takes to process. So when it, when this goes off, it's going to go back and reprocess. We'll find out this morning a little bit. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that's the issue. And and so, you know, also I'm going to, uh, when I release this as audio, I'm going to clip off that front end so that the, the front end podcast is by itself. But... Um, yeah right uh <laughs> trained to fear this, so don't try to download it until um probably later this afternoon is kind of the key there Brian thanks for all the work you do three nineteen thank you artith that was the one indeed second peter three nineteen uh wow, no church within a hundred kilometers that is not charismatic. I'm sorry, yeah, well, then by all means speak to your pastor and let him know what you what you want. From your church. Uh, da, 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 da. All right, I think it being nine forty now, uh, they're still. You're all still here? No, that's 69. 58. We lost a few. Um, yeah, we're good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I don't know if there will be an SM Chill next Saturday. There probably will, but I'm gonna be away from this location, so I'm not confident. I might do a Friday night instead. We'll see. Uh, cause I won't have anything else going on. I don't know. Uh, so if there's not, you know, don't worry too much. Uh, and then we'll, we'll be back on the other side. Um, I already said it, but I'll say it again. Patreon. If you're not a supporter on Patreon, it really is valuable when you help me do this. When you help me provide for my family, when you help me buy new stuff. Um, what was the new thing I just bought? Ah, I bought a new, ah, so frustrating. I bought a, I bought a new, travel microphone to try to do stuff like in the car and whatnot. And it's just, just doesn't sound as good as it should. It's super convenient the way it's set up, but it doesn't sound the way it should. Um, anyway, anyhow, Patreon helps with that kind of stuff. So I can kind of fearlessly experiment and find what I need to find. And then also, of course, without flesh is coming out. Hopefully you're seeing the memes. Hopefully you got the newsletter coming your way already. Mad Mondays every Monday. We got more stuff coming this week. You got a Darth Vader head. We got uh, oh, man, what else was in there? Escape from Japan. That's a fun story. So uh, people helping me out with that, making that more regular and a little deeper. You can sign up in the links below. Ordering without flash, like I said before. Promo code. You can get 20% off of Echo when you order without flash at cph.org. Just got to put in the promo code REV as in Victor. 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 Um, REV as in Victor. F. ISK Rev Fisk is the promo code. Get 20% off Echo when you buy without flesh at Concordia Publishing House right now, which would let them know how you still think I'm important and my books are worth buying because I'm not sure they believe it anymore. We gotta like poke them in the eye a little bit. Yeah. So anything else? Any other announcements I'm forgetting? Like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. And don't wallow in the muck, my friends. City's inhabitants are losing their minds Trigger warning This ain't a safe space In insanity i like going yes completely going if you're doing what everyone else is doing you're doing mad was that worth a dollar click the patreon link in the show notes to sign up pretty please! <laughs>